Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, a place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. In today's episode, we're excited to have Dr. Sunny Smith join us on the show. She is a board-certified family medicine physician and a longtime educator at UCSD. She's now transitioned to building her multi-million dollar coaching business, and we wanted to have her on the show because she was one of the people who influenced us early on in our business, and she taught us that anything you put in your R line, which is your results line, you can achieve. With that, let's welcome Sunny to the show. So Sunny, thank you for being here with us. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. It is so exciting to be here on your podcast, Kenji and Letty. How wonderful just to be a guest. Thank you for asking me. I love that. So people just beware. Sunny is an I like me and we're going to be like super excited, floating around, off on little tangents. So I hope you're ready. Let's I'm get not going. I'm sure they know what an I is. Well, Do an you I, want to tell? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. An I is in the DISC profile and it's an influencer and it's a person who gets really excited about different things and is optimistic and, and just goes off on tangents all the time. So Sunny and I are exactly the same way. So you're going to get to hear that through this episode. Yeah. And I'm not an I, so uh, <laughs> I'll try to keep us on track. And yeah, neither, right. neither is my husband, but they're going to get exactly what they need. That's what we're going to believe, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So Sunny, for those of you who don't know you, can you give us a little bit of your background about how you were in medicine and then your story of how you started your business, Empowering Women Physicians? Yeah. So I'm in San Diego. I've been a faculty member at UC San Diego School of Medicine for 15 years. I'm a full professor, clinical professor. I've been a medical student advisor and co-director of the free clinic and course director of family medicine and underserved medicine clerkships for that whole time. And what ended up happening, and I thought I would just do that because I love it. Like, it's my passion. It's amazing. The students are so inspiring. The free clinic, what a better mission. I thought I would do that forever until I was 65 and retired. And then what happened is many people who know me already know this, but I'll say very briefly is that I was in an accident and I was sort of slow for the first time. I was laying down and still for the first time ever. And I was very frustrated that I couldn't do anything. But I did just have to stay still and I couldn't read books because my arms were broken and I couldn't watch TV because I had a little concussion. So eventually, once my brain was okay enough to take some input, someone told me and gave me a suggestion to listen to a podcast. And I had never listened to a podcast. I didn't know I had the app on my phone. I had heard the word because the med students listened to the lectures by podcast. So I started listening to what PMGs had recommended, the Life Coach School podcast. I started with episode one, and it teaches you about how it's not your circumstances that create your reality. It's sort of how you think and feel about those circumstances. And since I was holed up and broken arms, couldn't feed myself, couldn't go to the bathroom by myself, couldn't bathe myself, couldn't dress myself, couldn't do anything. I was like, how is it not this circumstance that's making me feel so crappy? Of course it is. But then I realized, oh my gosh, it's the way that I'm thinking this shouldn't have happened. And now once I came to the realization, listening to literally 200 of those episodes in a row because I couldn't leave the house and couldn't do anything. So my husband just put the earbuds in and I would just sit and listen. Then by the end, I was like, this really is happening for me. Oh my gosh. For the first time ever, I had to realize I thought I had to do everything in the whole world, including driving my son and all the house stuff and all the work stuff and writing letters of rec and the grades and the whole world went on without me. 
So I started to learn, oh my gosh, now that when I do go back, I can choose what I want to put back in my life. So that's sort of how it started. It, it really, so interesting that this terrible accident happened for me and my life has never been the same since. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. And actually, uh, we met you, I think maybe soon after that. And I don't think I've ever asked you this. For those who don't know, we met at a Tony Robbins event. It was our very first event. And I believe it was your very first event as well. And I'm really curious, based on what you learned at Brooke Castillo, and you heard some new kind of teachings from Tony, like what were some of the new insights that you might have gotten out of Tony Robbins, if any? It's interesting to think that a lot of the personal development or self-help or cognitive psychology, it's rooted in very much similar beliefs, right? So you'll find a lot of overlap, but you just find a person that speaks your language and you kind of resonate with and you take some things and you you take the good, you leave the bad, the parts you believe in, you follow the ones that you don't. Sometimes you're like, well, maybe that part's not perfect for me. I had really resonated with that part that is like, it's not your circumstances that create your reality. You can, you start with those circumstances and then you decide how you're going to think and feel about it and what you want to do about it, what you're going to create in the world. That's what I got from Brooke. And also not to argue with reality because I'd been arguing with reality and that's exhausting. Just accepting what is. And then once you accept it fully, then you can decide, okay, now what? And change the future because you cannot change the past. <laughs> you can only change the now and the future. So then from Tony, I mean, it's interesting the way that I got there is because I went to a normal, regular women in medicine event at Orange County and some, and all the panelists opened. It was like how to be a leader in women in medicine. And all the panelists were like, get a coach, get a coach, get a coach. I was like, what? So then someone was, went up to the mic and was like, how do I get a coach? And then I was like, I saw her later. I was like, I'm actually a coach. And so is this other lady who I know. So that lady is the one who was like, you have to go to Tony Robbins. And I was, and she kind of was like, not stalking me, but kept texting me and texting me and texting me. I'm like, I don't know that guy. I don't know. It's just not for me. It's match day. Like match day is a huge day for a medical educator in my role. I'm like, really? You really want me to go on match day to Los Angeles? And I went to match day. We celebrated. It was amazing. And then when I went there, when I walked into Tony Robbins, I have to say it for anyone who ever goes, it's like culture shock. You're like, what is going on in here? <laughs> this is not like a medical meeting at all. There's jumping, there's yelling, there's music. You're like, is this a cult? What is up? And so I sat literally on the side, like in the back, on the side, on the ground. And I was like, I just don't know what's going on here. But then, I mean, if I have to say sort of what started changing there, I mean, there's just so many things. I think questioning all your beliefs and knowing that like, it's your story. Because like I said to the guy, I went to go sign up and for one of his things, as you know very well. And I was like, oh, my husband's going to kill me. And he's like, why would you tell yourself that BS story? And I looked at him. I was like, oh, you are so my people. You're right. Why am I telling? Because anybody listening to this podcast right now, think of why you don't have the result you want in your life. Like, what is it you're dreaming of? Why are you listening to this podcast? The Kenji Letty, Rich Doc, Poor Doc. What are you dreaming of? And then whatever's standing in the way of you having achieved that, it's some BS story. It's a limiting belief. So why are we telling ourselves that BS story? So I think in just being surrounded by at that event by other doctors, I met you guys, I met Peter Kim, there was a few other doctors there. 
who made me think doing this work wasn't crazy because I was kind of out a little bit more on my own. I had a couple of colleagues that, that had gone through the life coach school I stayed in touch with, but just being in touch regularly or knowing there's other people doing this, I think that was the most powerful. Even, I mean, the event was powerful. His words are powerful. The energy, the energy, <laughs> the belief in what is possible when you get in that state of, oh my God, I can conquer the world, what your brain comes up with, sort of like letting go of constraint, letting go of the medical meeting, letting go of your institution, the ivory tower, let go and see what comes to you. It's almost like it's on purpose, of course. They bring you to that kind of crazed environment so that you're like, all beliefs out the window. If you could create anything, what would you do? And then all of us have acted on that. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, when I met you at Tony Robbins event, actually, one thing that stood out to me compared to anyone I had ever met before was you really believed that whatever you wanted, you could have. And, you know, it was my first Tony Robbins event. I hadn't gotten to that point that I was literally like a neophyte, like in terms of self-development, like I hadn't even read any books or anything. And then to meet somebody like you who was like, whatever I want, I can have. It was amazing. So tell us how you got to that point. Because I think if everyone was able to cultivate that in themselves, your potential and what you can accomplish is limitless. So how did you come to believe that you could do anything you want? That is such a great question. And I think people who follow this work or follow Brooke Castillo have this idea of the concept that I talked to you about that day, which is you can put anything you want in the R line, which there's this model where the R is the result. And so that means you can create any result you want. And when I first heard that, I'm like, yeah, that's BS, right? I mean, of course, that's BS. There's all these limiting beliefs. People have all kinds of cards stacked against them, all this stuff. But the thing is, once you believe and buy into that you create your results by what you believe is possible for you, you create your results by your thoughts. Like, how did you become a doctor? You know, the acceptance rate is super low. How did you get anything you wanted in your life? You had to believe it was possible and then work your ass off to get there. But if you thought it was impossible, you would have never gone. Like, say all the kids in high school, right, who are like, I could never be a doctor. They're not doctors now. The kids in high school who are like, maybe I think I could do this. Then they go to college, they do research projects, they like do volunteerism, they do all this stuff. And so once it became very concrete that like, you know, this, your thoughts create your feelings, your feelings drive your actions, your actions can be just massive action, whatever it takes. You can't possibly know what it's going to take to get to that result until you get there. And then once you've gotten there, you're like, oh my God, I did it. How did I do it? I did it because I believed I could. And I just kept doing experiment after experiment after experiment until I found the way. There's always a way. The obstacle is the way. You just have to find the way. And then the first time I really tested it, like significantly with money behind it, I decided to become a certified coach. I went through coach training. And then, you know, they're like, you can create anything you want, put anything you want in the R line, any result in the world. What do you want? I'm like, I'm going to be a multiple six-figure coach, but first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to run this retreat in Bora Bora because it was like the most beautiful place I'd ever been in my life. And I want to make that beautiful week. It was just a week of my whole life. I went for my 40th birthday. I want to bring my friends and colleagues and like show them what is possible in life and get them out of their box and be like, hey, come with me. I'll show you. There's other ways to think about the world. And everyone's like, even my best, best friends are like, you are crazy. What are you doing? You just find, signed a very expensive contract that's like cost me as much as my med student loans, 
right? Like it, it was like crash and burn or make this happen because I was obligated to one of the most expensive resorts in the world. And so then I was like, it's on, it's on, let's go make this happen. And it was not easy to convince people <laughs> to do that. But because I knew I would do whatever it took to make it happen, I did. And then I just sort of like rinse and repeated with a whole bunch of other things in my life as well. Yeah, you really, I mean, what Tony Robbins says is burn the boats, right? So you committed to that contract without mm-hmm. any proof that it was going to work, but you trusted and believed in yourself. Yes, I had no clients. I had no internet presence. I had no website. I had no followers. I had no, even my best friends. I was like, please come with me. They're like, they literally said, they remember we were in Hollywood and they, some came down to visit from Northern California and they were like, could you just do Palm Springs? <laughs> I'm like, you're missing the concept here. Palm Springs does not stretching yourself. <laughs> so Sunny, how do you create certainty in yourself if you have no proof that you can do it? <laughs> I think what we're taught is this concept about most people tend to believe what is possible for themselves by looking behind and seeing what they've done already. Mm-hmm. But that's not what people who create and innovate and, you know, think outside the box do. You look to the future towards things that haven't been done yet and think the only way this is going to get done is if I'm determined to do it. And I can do hard things. I can figure things out. I went to med school. Like this entrepreneurship is like nowhere near as hard as medical school and residency, right? And all the things we have to learn and studying for step one and all those things, all those years. If you can do that, you can certainly figure this stuff out. It's not that hard. It's not rocket science. It's that people are afraid of the risk. But I had told when my husband saw the contract I was going to sign and you guys know my husband. So, you know, he's a little conservative. You can imagine how he felt about it. (laughs) And I'm like, no, really, I can do anything I want. I can create anything I want. He's like, what if this goes bad? You know, I'm like, well, that's the amount of money that I put in, you know, in my loans for med school. Like this is going to be my loan to make a business and to go all in on myself. I'm going all in, babe. So I think it's just you have to tell yourself I'm going all in. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And give yourself no ways to get out, right? <laughs> yeah. Burn the post. Yeah. <laughs> Sign the contract. I actually have to say, though, I do not recommend this at all. I do not recommend that people sign six-figure contracts without any... I do not recommend that without any belief it's going to happen. I believe there's probably a wiser way to go into business. <laughs> and since then, I've done all kinds of things without that significant pressure. But it's just the internal pressure of... And not even pressure. It's just belief in possibilities. Like whatever it is that you're thinking, because you know that dream that keeps coming back? Like for lots of people, it's like, I don't know, a beach condo. Or it's for your listeners, it's like replacing a part of their clinical income so they could take one day off a week or go to point eight or go to point five or hit financial independence so that they could make medicine optional. Like those things that keep coming back, just be like, okay, well, if that's what I want, how are we going to do it? Let's just do it. Let's figure it out and commit to it. Like put it in the line. If you, again, people can go to this model, right? Where you put it in the results line and then you work backwards. What are the actions going to be that I have to take to get there? And how would I have to think and feel to take those actions? You'd have to think and feel like this is going to work. I'm going to figure it out. This is worth it. Tony Robbins has that thing that he talks about. You guys are very well familiar with is like the guy who was looking for the buried treasure for years and years and years. And everyone thought he was crazy. And then eventually he found it. It's like, you have to believe that your success is inevitable and go get it. Right. And like, you have to find the way you just haven't found the way it's out there and it's worth it. 
that's what you have to believe. <laughs> yeah. So I've been listening to a podcast yesterday, which is so applicable to this, where the speaker said, you know, it all comes down to what you tell yourself mm-hmm. every single day. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you tell, you choose what you tell yourself and you can tell yourself that, you know, you are enough, that you can do anything, that you can do hard things. And so if you repeat that to yourself every single day, that your body has no option but to believe. And I know we've all gone through this experience where a speaker describes, you know, biting into a lemon and feeling the sourness and taking the pulp out and all that. And your mouth starts to water, right? And it's, again, it's like whatever you tell yourself, your body has to believe and inter- and react to. And so it's all about the stories you're telling yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you have to believe them and then like know them, like deeply know them so that when people say other things, because at first for your listeners, right, if they're early in their journey, there's going to be haters and naysayers and people like, what are you doing? You're a doctor. That's risky. It's a pandemic, ah, la, la, whatever, you know? And so if you're not certain in your own belief, you start to think, huh, what if they're right? But if the story you're telling yourself and actually convince yourself and you truly believe, then when they say those kinds of things, you're just like, whatever, you're just confused. You just don't know. You're just not in this world. That's fine. I still love you, but I can love you all the same. But you don't have to buy into my dream. You can have your dream and you can have your set of beliefs. It's totally fine and not make it mean anything. And I think you and I and a whole bunch of us, right, kind of surround ourselves with other people who have these beliefs. And also input is really important. So like you said, oh, yesterday, I was listening to a podcast that says it's your story that you tell yourself that matters. And I have the idea, I have no idea if I'm right. But I'm like, that was probably the James Wedmore podcast, because I listened to that one, too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But like, here's the point is that the stuff we put in our brain matters, right? And so we are putting things into our brain that support our beliefs that the stories we tell ourselves matter. And when we take action on them, we can succeed. And people will say, oh, but like only 10% of people succeed. And I'm like, whatever. I'm always in the top 10%. Let's go. You know what I mean? I'm not going to focus on the 90% of people that don't succeed. It doesn't matter. We are going to do this. So it's it's just what we tell. And as doctors, we really can tell ourselves that we're always in the top few percent. We just are. It's actually a fact in terms of income, in terms of education, in terms of whatever it is, we always are in the top 10%. So it's certainly five, three, something like that. But so if you go into for your listeners, real estate, or if you go into whatever, like, why wouldn't you be amongst those that succeed? Why would you presume that for some reason you're going to be at the bottom? Of course, you're going to succeed. It becomes your default. Of course. Of course, I'm going to succeed. I'm going to kill it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's awesome hearing uh, how you got started in your business. And, and it was kind of cool to, to actually be there in the beginning. I think when we met you, you know, you had a podcast and uh, maybe you were just getting your coaching business started. But tell us where your business is uh, today and tell us like what's going well right now. Oh, my gosh. So much is going well, right? <laughs> That's because you're focusing on it. (laughs) I can't believe like my mom always ends up finding me when I'm on the internet. So, (laughs) but I mean, I run a business that's made over a million dollars, you know, coaching and we're approaching seven figure year. And I'm sure that I'll be there like within a week. (laughs) I mean, I have about 25 physicians that contract with me to coach other physicians. It's not really about the money per se, right? Like you have to believe it's about the mission, the vision, the impact and creating value in the world. And so what I know is that if I have a million dollar business, I am creating 
at least double, if not more, that much value in the world by changing people's lives, changing the way they see things, changing what they tolerate at their work, changing their experience, whether it's in something that has to do with some, a professional life or something that has to do with a personal life. The transformations that I see in the people that I work with are absolutely phenomenal and mind-blowing. And sometimes they're measured by money, but most of the time, they, and those are pretty remarkable results, but most of the time it's like being able to deal with whatever life throws at you. And you're like, like, say you're in an argument with your husband or your spouse. You learn to tell yourself things like, okay, what's really going on here? My husband is saying words. I get to choose to respond any way I want. He says words, like really. People say words. People yell. People have all kinds of thoughts and feelings. And those are their thoughts and feelings and I can't control them. And yelling back at him isn't going to help. So why don't I just kind of pause here and think about how I want to respond on purpose. And you could do that with your kids. You could do it with your mom. You could do it with your weight. You could do it with, you know, all kinds of stuff. So I think anyway, when we talk about the financial impact of the business, it's absolutely phenomenal. But I think that it is because people get real transformation. And then what they do is they tell their friends, right? And then their friends come in. And you know that when you're a physician and you refer someone, right, to one of your colleagues, it's like a physician to physician colleague referral is like, oh, that's a trusted referral. And so when my physician clients, and even like I coach a ton of coaches. So when people are like, she's the coach's coach, she's like, she gets people results. If you want to coach, go with her. That is like, that's what you want for your business. If you're running a business is you want to treat your clients in a way that every one of your clients becomes a raving fan and goes and tells other people. So again, it's investing in your clients, over delivering, being the best version of myself for them at all times. I mean, obviously I'm like a scattered mess, like Lady was saying at the beginning, but, oh, <laughs> but they don't tell yourself that. that. <laughs> True, but it's they a story know. you're telling yourself. <laughs> I'm going to tell myself that BS story, but That's why? Right. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now, we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close a deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semiretiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. Also wanted to give a shout out to Joe Weitzel of Northwest Commercial Lending for being a sponsor of the show. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever tried to get a loan for a commercial property for less than a million dollars, good luck. Most commercial loan brokers don't deal in small loans. And this is where Joe and his team shine. They help investors find a commercial loan no matter the size. And they actually love working with new investors and helping them grow their portfolios. So the next time you're in the market for a commercial loan, be sure to reach out to Joe and his team by emailing them at semiretiredmd at nwclending.com. Now back to the show. Well, what my coach has taught me and been working with me recently, because I'm like, oh, I have to get more organized. I have to get more Excel sheets. I have to do this. I have to do that. Because again, I have a big business now. <laughs> I have a seven-figure business. I have a lot of contractors. I have a lot of stuff I have to stay on top of. And she's like, you don't need to tell yourself that. She's like, let yourself be you. 
You do mm-hmm. what's magically you and you get other people to do that stuff. I'm like, ah, when mm-hmm. I'm more of who I am and not trying to be a certain way, then better results come for everyone, for myself, for my clients. And again, sometimes it's measured for my clients in dollars in multiple six figure dollars. And sometimes it's measured in things that are just deeply meaningful to them for other ways, like learning to love themselves, learning to stop saying bad things like they're not enough, right? Or everyone else, this comparisonitis that comes up and particularly in your world too, because people compare themselves to other people who've reached financial independence or people who have 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 doors. And they're like, I have zero. I've been thinking about this for two years, or I have five, or I have a, when do I get to financial independence, retire early? So there's a lot of comparison. But when we start to believe we're exactly where we're supposed to be, You're never were meant to be anywhere different. Like this whole pandemic stuff, we're always like, I was supposed to be in Hawaii this week. You know, it's like, no, you weren't. You just didn't know, right? Mm -hmm. So I was meant to be right here. Today's the first day of my kid's school in person. And so like, it was always meant to be all those kids were going to go in masks and we were going to have this really awkward drop off today and they're going to have to learn what this is like. And whatever happens, I believe whatever happens, like if they're meant to come back home, they will. And if they're meant to keep going, they will. And again, just the acceptance of whatever the universe delivers and knowing that I'm going to adapt. So it's like every day, adapt every day, adapt to the new circumstances, believing you're adaptable and we'll figure it out. That is very helpful. Very growth mindset, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I love that, uh, you know, your focus is on the customer, your clients, right? Mm -hmm. And the money will follow. And I Mm -hmm. think that it's the same with our business. You know, we just focus on how do we continually add value and over deliver, like you said, and create raving fans, right? Mm-hmm. And I think too many business owners focus on the top line. How much money did I make? Right. Mm-hmm. Because they're always comparing themselves. Or like you said, how many units do I own? Right. Mm-hmm. Or how much revenue am I generating from my rental properties? But if you really focus on the customer and in the real estate world, it's a little bit different. You go, well, how do I? take care of my tenants, right? How do I create the best living environment for them? And so there are ways you can kind of create those quote unquote raving fans. And I love that, you know, your focus is on your customer as opposed to the dollars. And and sure, yeah, the dollar is just the outcome of focusing so much on your, your clients and creating raving fans. So I think that that's amazing. Yeah, I think this is probably a good time to transition to talk about your real estate portfolio because you kind of took a giant leap with it. So can you tell us the story of your real estate and where you are now and some of the challenges and what you've learned? Yeah, so we met a year and a half ago, right? A year and a half ago because it was March in 2019. And I was very much like academic medicine and add in a little bit of personal development and see how this goes. I empower physicians is what I do, right? That's my mm-hmm. brand, empowering women physicians. Met you and you guys were like, we went out to lunch and stuff. And you're like, we kind of empower physicians too. And mm-hmm. we do it by real estate. Oh, we all are here to make physicians' lives better. And like we sort of discovered this interesting overlap because we're both dealing with physicians' mental health and distress and suffering. Physicians are suffering. And that's kind of my mission is is to relieve the suffering of physicians and get them to enjoy this life. I mean, if we can't enjoy our lives, who can, right? Because we have all the resources available to us to do it. So when you guys were like, yeah, I mean, we make it so that physicians can practice medicine on their terms. I was like, huh, 
you that's like very similarly overlapping with with me and you're like and we do it through real estate and we have all these properties i'm like oh that is definitely not anything i would ever do right <laughs> it's just not my world like it's not your identity it's not my identity it wasn't my identity i'm like i'm an academic i've always cared about physician and medical student mental health so coaching wasn't a big leap i kind of thought that i coach mentor advise all the time it's not at all an identity change for me too much i mean except that some people say you're crazy when you become a coach or label yourself that way or get certified but now I'm like, it's evidence-based, so you can suck it. But for real estate, I was just like, yeah, I don't know. And then in May, and we kept in touch, obviously, and I started talking to my husband a tiny bit eventually. But then in May, a couple months later, we went to an event with you guys, and we spent like 12 hours a day every day together for a week and in an event where there was just a lot of talk about business and how when you run your business on purpose, you know, it kind of gives you your life back if you do it well and if you do it with intention. And so we talked more to you. You got my husband on board, which was really the key part. <laughs> and then once he was on board and he talked to you guys and Peter Kim, he was like, this, he's an engineer. He's very math driven, very science, very numbers, very Excel sheet. So he was like, this actually makes sense. This actually makes sense. You can invest in things and stop paying six figures in taxes because your assets have depreciated. Like we really, all we have to do is buy buildings and then we can depreciate them and we get all that money that we're paying to the federal government back that I really don't support right now. Right. And we can support in other ways and create other taxes so that it's not like your tax evasion. Right. This is all legal. <laughs> so anyway, that opened our eyes. And so the very first like dip your teeny teeny toe in thing that we did was Peter talks about like syndications, crowds funding. So we did a little bit with that and we're like, okay, we didn't die. And then <laughs> <laughs> the world didn't end. Life went on as if it never happened basically, right? Because for physicians, most people could find a little bit to put into something like this and be like, okay, nothing bad happened. The world is going on. And then we were like, okay, well, we found some people, as you know, that find you the property and then they rehab it for you. They say, hey, do you want to make an offer on this? And then they rehab it for you. And then they act as the property manager too. And they were single family homes. So we did that and we're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm still full time in academics and I'm coaching and there's someone across the country in this a different state, a place I've never seen, like sending me videos all the time about this amazing, huge rehab that's going on. I'm like, that looks good. Looks good. <laughs> like I'm not, this is not necessarily the way you guys teach it, but this is how I did it, right? This was my story. Mm -hmm. And then we did that again. And then we decided once we had done that sort of those three little things, we're like, this is not at the scale that we're hoping for because <laughs> we're busy people. So like, I got to make it worth my while if I'm going to do this. And so we learned that multifamily is really the way to go farther faster and make your investment increase in value significantly. And so after we had done that, we bought a 16. Well, we, we made an offer on a couple of at least got under contract on another place, but the numbers after inspection didn't work out. So the one that we actually closed on was uh, 16 units. And on that one, I mean, just the rehab again, I've never, 
It's like almost embarrassing. I've never even been there. I've never even seen it. But I know the people and I have a trusted team, right? And they send you videos and they know you guys. And like, so when you have enough trust in an experienced team, I was like, okay, we can do this. And then very quickly, the appraised value is more than my salary for the year, like that much higher. I'm like, for the whole year, you know how hard I work for that doctor salary I have? Like, I'm killing myself. I'm ignoring my kid. I'm ignoring my husband. I'm working nights. I'm doing stuff on weekends. Like, insanely, like the number of hours I I got a accelerated promotion as a full professor, which means that you've done six years work in three years time in scholarly activity, in education, in clinical care, and there's like all these criteria. So that's how hard I was working. (laughs) And I was the lowest paid person in my department because I work at a free clinic. So like, really? And all I had to do was buy a 16 unit property and have someone else rehab it for me. I mean, it's just, it's crazy interesting the value, scope, and perspective that we have as physicians. We're like, oh, what's the MGMA data? What's this? Where do I fit? And then when you back out of just being so in, like forest for the trees, you're like, there's lots of ways that I can create value in the world. And I get to choose where I want to create value in the world. And I will be rewarded for choosing to apply my time and energy and efforts in whatever space I can. And volunteer things are important. It's not, And serving is important and clinical things are important and educating is important. But if you're looking at scaling wealth, real estate's not a bad place to be, <laughs> right? It's like a secret. Why do doctors not know this? Why do we not know it? And it's not our identity. So we don't even think about it. And then, but when you look at people who are very wealthy, they all know this stuff. Like why there's two things I think that I'm doing now that I think, why don't regular doctors know? Why haven't they taught us? One is that real estate is a big component of wealth for those who are very wealthy and coaching should absolutely be available to every physician. Every physician deserves a coach because we live a challenging life experience and we all deserve someone to hold a little space for us and reflect our thoughts back on us and see whether they're serving us or not without a place of a mental health diagnosis. Um, Yes, do you sometimes need to talk to a therapist or a psychiatrist? Absolutely. But I don't want to pathologize the experience of being a physician. We want to normalize and humanize it. So those are the two things, coaching. And hey, by the way, if you are interested, and most won't be, but this is sort of a way to accelerate a path to wealth. I want to point out that both of those is about investment mm-hmm. because I think as physicians, we're very much in trading time for money and being an employee. But mm-hmm. what you're describing is learning to be an investor, investor in yourself, mm-hmm. right? And how you see the world and empower yourself to take back control of your mind, basically, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. then the other one is investing in things that make you money that aren't related to time and trading your time away. And not working harder, which is how we're all trained, right? Work harder, you'll make more money. That's not true in the real world. We've been told that lie for our whole lives. Yeah. I mean, the number of hours I put into real estate to earn those multiple six figures of appreciation, it's ridiculous, particularly when you compare it to my clinical work. So I think that working harder thing is we have to learn to uncouple time with money and time with value. And then also, I think you said because investments and you talked about assets. So of course, I'm learning a whole new language, right? Like capital, when people like a regular doctor is like, I don't have any money. Whereas real estate investors are like, oh, my capital's tied up. 
It's a mm-hmm. whole different, like, I don't have any money is like the broke mindset. I don't have any money. I'm in debt. I have hundreds of thousands of student loans, da, 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 whatever. And someone who's an investor is like, oh, my capital's tied up. I'll have more capital as soon as it's not tied up. It's tied up right now. It's fine. Like, it's not a big deal. All investors get their capital tied up and then they move it from one deal to another. So, but you learn to see those investments as assets. And of course, mm-hmm. in the rich dad, poor dad construct of asset, which is that it makes you money. It's not like my home that I'm sitting in recording this right now with you. Some people would say it's an asset because it's on my asset sheet as the amount of money that I own on this home. But it's not an asset in that it doesn't make me any money, right? It's a place I can live. But the real estate investments that we do, okay, this is an asset. How do we make it a higher performing asset, right? This is an asset. I invest in assets. And I do, as you mentioned, and you guys really do this too, and I do too, invest I believe that, first of all, physicians are the most valuable asset in healthcare, period. You can't have an ultrasound tech or a nurse practitioner or a PA or an anything without the physician. You can have a building with all the stuff. If you don't have a physician, you got nothing. So physicians are absolutely the most valuable asset in healthcare. And so that's why they all deserve whatever they need to be their best versions of themselves. And then for us, right, outside of the physician world or institutions, just investing in our own asset, because what is our greatest asset? You know, people say jokes about like, if you're a surgeon and the elevator's closing, what do you put in? You know, you put in your head because you don't want to put your hands in. Or if you're an internist, what you put in your foot, if you're a whatever. So out of our whole body, what is our biggest asset? As a human being on this earth, it's our brain is our biggest mm-hmm. asset by far because we create everything through that filter and that lens in our brain. So I invest in real estate properties that make me money. I invest in my brain. I really do continually. And some people have the idea, oh, well, I'll do it once and then I'll be good, right? I'm like, well, you're going to be human always. <laughs> Your amygdala is always going to light up when there's something stressful. That's what it's designed to do. And you're always going to have to remind yourself, you know, to engage the sort of prefrontal cortex and talk yourself down. And there's ways to optimize our neurobiology and use all of science and the information that we know to optimize ourselves. Like, why are we choosing not to do that? Because some people still have the idea that it's like scammy or woo woo or like multi-level marketing or this or that. But I really predict that in the next year, two, three, four, and certainly by five years, that this will be very standard of care for physicians to have coaches. Again, not pathologizing, holding space, listening, helping them to problem solve and become the best version of themselves and to help the institution and the culture of medicine be one of us all continually evolving to become the best versions of ourselves, not a culture of self-sacrifice until you're burned out and can't take it anymore and then want to drop out and then they show up in your course. Like, we don't need that. Mm -hmm. We need people who are choosing to do this from the beginning, right? And Mm -hmm. have all of this sort of on their mind, on their agenda from the beginning. And and people are, are starting to put coaching in medical schools and in residencies and some in institutions. But I think this is... I've been a part of a couple of movements in in my career in medicine. One was the start and large-scale adaptation of student-run free clinics at medical schools. And then the next one was learning communities and medical education. And so I think this is the next one, which is that it's going to start a little bit fringe like those things did and then getting more normalized and adapted. Like, for instance, where I trained, there were 18 coaches trained last year. I mean, before one year ago, and now there's 140 of us. 
Yep. So. It's a movement for sure. <laughs> it's a movement. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I, and I did want to point out one thing before we're, we close and I would, we really love to have you back for maybe a part two so we can kind of continue talking. Uh, but one thing I did want to point out is that uh, there is this transition point, I think, that physicians make when they realize that it's almost like an awakening. They realize that I don't have to work harder for money, that I don't have to trade time, you know, my dollars for, for time, right? I can decouple those things. But what happens at that transition point is that all these fears come in, right? So like, well, how do I do that, right? I have no experience. I have no knowledge, whether it's real estate or anything else, starting a business, right? They go, they get hit with this, like, how do I do that? And that's actually why in our course, we've incorporated mindset and coaching. And we found that to be an extremely valuable part of success for our students is that mindset and coaching. So I, I really I actually love the combination of the real estate and the coaching. I think our businesses are really kind of intertwined. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And in, and with the ultimate goal of empowering physicians to live lives that they want, right? By taking control of their minds and managing that, but also taking control of their finances. It's mm -hmm. completely linked. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Like you can't do one without the other, right? Nope. You can't take control of your finances as a physician without working on your mindset because 99% of physicians sitting at the EHR next year are going to be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so you've got to believe and figure this out that you can hang around people who, as you said, it's like an awakening. <laughs> Such <laughs> a strange right. thing that it's an awakening to learn that this is available to us. Yep. Awesome. So we ask all of our guests these two questions. And the first question is, what is your definition of rich? Well, you could probably guess that I would say something like believing in possibilities. Believing in possibilities makes you rich beyond measure because no one can say it's not possible, right? It's always possible that fill in the blank. So let's dream up something. It's possible that maybe just maybe. And then if you have that, you have everything. Amazing. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And the next question is, what is one mindset, habit, or strategy that separates someone who is rich versus someone who is poor? I think living life on your terms, right? If you believe that you can really live life on your terms and you're doing something because you've chosen, you want to do it. And every day, everything you're doing, you're choosing, right? Because if you weren't choosing it, you'd stop doing it. And I learned that when I was in the bike accident and had to stop doing everything, but you're choosing these things. So if you believe you're living life on your terms, that makes you rich. Yeah, I completely agree. I think about one of our students a couple courses ago who hadn't even bought any real estate yet, but she's like, I believe I have control. And like when I walk into work now, it's a choice to be there. And mm -hmm. it's not a choice to be there because she suddenly developed all this income mm -hmm. overnight. It was actually, she just changed her way of thinking and saw she had options and now chose to show up at work. So powerful. Just it's, a little change. Yes. It's so interesting you mentioned that because some people that I work with have huge visible outside changes and some of them kind of realize I actually like most of my life. I just wanted to make some small changes. I actually kind of re-choose this again. If I could choose anything, I'd choose most of this interesting that I would never expect. And so, yeah, Rich, believing life on your terms and you can create anything you want by putting anything you want in the R line. <laughs> That's an awesome way to end, Sunny. Thank you so much for being with us. And yes, we definitely need to have you back for a part two. We appreciate you being here. Thank you.
The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.